Nerd Thug Conroe. Welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio. Right here on 104.5, 106.1, the sister station, streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. As always, you can check out Facebook.com backslash Nerd Thug Radio. And of course, this is Corey DLG. With me as usual is uh, little brother Nico. How you doing, buddy? That's me. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, Ill-prepared for this long drive I'm about to make, but... I, it's gonna happen either way, so kind of. There unwinnable. you go. Where uh, where are you going? Uh, we're gonna go to uh, St. Louis, Missouri, everyone's favorite place. Ooh, Missouri! Oh, so exciting! So Missouri from here, probably I'm gonna guess fifteen hours, sixteen hours. Ooh, way overshooting it. Only like ten. That's not bad. It's not, yeah, it's really not. Tennessee it's, is 12, Alabama was 14. I thought it was a little further north, I guess. Nah, it's very much middle of the middle of the country. That's uh okay, all right. So St. Louis is 10 hours. That 10's not too bad. That's a day. Yeah, it's a it's a day drive for sure. What are you going to leave like at 9 a.m., get there, Don't get there know. in the evening? We're leaving super early and get there like halfway through the day basically. That's worse as I know. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I know people like like to like let's just get it out of the way, but like what are you gonna do with the rest of that day? What did you really save? Right. You're gonna be exhausted and tired. It's just gonna be terrible. Basically I there <laughs> I was like, let's leave at nine. Well, I was like, no. And I was like, oh I, well I tried. <laughs> Mission attempted. <laughs> and no, we didn't get there. Shut down. Um. Yeah, man. So it's it's Friday afternoon. You're already on the road because of time travel. Obviously, we recorded this earlier to accommodate everyone's schedules. Um, I'm basically teleporting. Boy, I tell you what, that would be the way to do it. It's the one power. I'm like, that's what I want. Like, but only if it was to pick. distances. Like, is Nightcrawler's power really that helpful? I mean, in a fight, yes, but well, I mean, like. It's like it's as far as you could go, right? So you just do it into the air and then as many times forward as you can see. You can see pretty far. Well, I think there are limits. Like I don't think you can go a mile. I think you can only go like less than a mile. Um if you remember in Ultimate X Men there's that time he's looking up at an airplane and he can't make it. Oh, that's true. So I don't know. Like Nightcrawler's power, but unlimited would be better. Because so, like, like blink then. Yeah, just blink. Blink's not just fair. Blink. Just yeah. blink. Uh, Blink would I be honest, cool. Isn't she like portals, though? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that what you would rather? I mean, would yeah, you... we'd rather. Because then you could at least see where you're going. Yeah, that's true. That's the thing about Nightcrawler. <laughs> like, oh, I just appeared in this wall, and now I'm crippled forever. Like, now I'm dead. Yeah. Merged with the wall. My fault. My fault. Um... What, oh, I was just watching an old movie, Stargate, the other night, and they teleport in that one. There you go. And uh, it, it looked kind of neat the way they did it, because it's, if you remember, it's a circle, and so, like, they plot a course where they yeah. pick, like, a bunch of constellations in a row, like, they're telling it where to shoot them. So then when they step through, it makes them out like they're a bunch of lines, like, traveling. Yeah. And then, like, it, it turns and curves, like, they're really blasting through space it just need, it, it looked fun indeed it's a neat movie isn't that special isn't that neat it is an interesting movie though 
It's got a lot of weird like subplots to it. I mean, it's just one of those things. I feel like that happens a lot in sci-fi. Uh, I feel like it happens a lot in in like movies that are supposed to be really good that only wind up okay. <laughs> That's a fair point. Like, I bet they thought they were making like a masterpiece when they made Stargate. Um, because like Kurt Russell's the military guy who's driven and he has his orders. Uh, but he's got this weird backstory. Like at the very beginning, when they come find him. He's sitting in his son's room all depressed with his hair uncut and long and hippie looking. And it's because his son had, and not not to make light of it or anything, but the son uh, accidentally killed himself with the playing with a gun. Uh, it's it's like a weird thing to, to put on a character in a movie that's has like comedy and like serious, you know what I'm saying? Like it's an odd, it's a weird backstory to put on a character. I mean, it's not necessarily weird. I think I think really good, like emotional, heartfelt things are also like sometimes really lighthearted. It kind of like the starkness makes it a little bit more like, oh yeah, like everything's happy go lucky. And it's like, oh, this guy's actually doing this because his his family's dead. And you're like, oh my god, yeah, what that's really that? sad. That's like a Zemo in Civil War, right? Like. Yeah, the reason he wanted to break the Avengers is because they killed his family. He feels like, like, which I mean, like, totally valid. He also won that. He also won that game. He also won that one. Yeah, he kind of did. I mean, he went to jail for it, but he he went to jail. But he definitely blew up the Avengers. If you can get Captain America and Iron Man to fight, I think you're right. I think you. I think you. I think you did win that round. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's not. That's not wrong. Uh, you know what I just, I, with the HBO Max, I watched it before we recorded tonight. Um, Suicide Squad, the, the new one. Oh yeah. And you were, you were telling me this, this is a, this is a game changer, huh? It, it is a, it is a huge deal. It is a very big deal. I'm not going to say anything about it yet, but this is going to be a great movie. I don't know what the numbers are going to be like. Box offices are impossible to predict right now. And it is debuting streaming and theatrical together, but this movie, I, if if a person says a bad thing about this movie, doubt their judgment as a person. Fair point. This is this is the movie that basically forced Disney to uh, take back James Gunn. Yeah, this when Jan, when Disney caught wind of what was going on here on this project, they realized like uh, maybe. And I was telling you that I think between this Logan and Deadpool, which are just completely different ends of the spectrum, they really show the 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 wide depth you can do with a, with a superhero movie. You can do comedy like Deadpool, or you can do like bone chilling, sad, serious, like Logan, or you could do something like this with this big epic actiony, emotional, but funny, but consequences. Like it's just, it's great. It really is. I mean, compared to those two, like when you're already starting a conversation with, it's it's on the same echelon as Deadpool and Logan, two of probably the best comic book movies. Well, I especially think we, non non Disney like, right? Well, I think when we did we at one point rank them, and I, and I guess I ranked Logan as my top all time, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, we we did a we did one of the brackets, uh, and it was it was funny because like the way the bracket was set up, like two Avengers movies were knocked out in the early rounds by like other things that were better than them. And oh, eventually yeah. we got to the very top where it was Logan was the best comic book movie at the time, which 
honestly, like rewatching that movie, it's 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 pretty good. <laughs> it's still really good. Like it definitely feels like if there was ever a superhero movie that was gonna get an Oscar for like being just a good movie overall, it would have been that one. Right. And just like the history and like the fact that you don't have to watch the other films to like really understand it like you just need a tangential knowledge of like some of the characters right it just the you just needed to know that they're that the relationships all used to be good and now they're not right and then like everything you see is just like heartbreaking right it's so good right like what does xavier say to him like early on when you're just like oh oh dude i don't don't even remember he's just always so like brutal to him like and you're just like Oh, he keeps telling he, he was telling him like you're the reason they don't come visit. I know that. I know that. And then it turns out that Xavier accidentally killed them all, and Loki just hasn't reminded him of it. Right. Oh, it's awful. And you're like, oh man, just brutally sad. Um, but yeah, this I mean, well, this movie there's a scene when they're it's in the previews where they're where Ratcatcher and Idris Elba are talking, and like you can see Idris Elba's kind of crying. Like, they had this whole emotional conversation in the bus, and you're like, oh, my God. But then because of the way the movie is, you're like, oh, great. Now everyone in this bus is going to die. Like, <laughs> like you, <laughs> because, like, you just never know what's going to happen next in this movie. It's it's so great. It really is. That's so awesome. I'm so happy. Like, like I was... Uh... I was talking to old Zacky boy. Uh, we we met up for for lunch, and we were having this conversation. DC should just just give up the idea of a connected universe and just make singular good movies and just walk away from it. If they had the ability to consistently do that, I would I would agree with you. The problem is they don't have the ability to even consistently make singular good movies. Like <laughs> if you just look at their track record of just making movies, it's, it's not so terrible. <laughs> it's not good. Uh, every time, every time they hit a home run with the Batman trilogy, they then go make a Green Lantern or a Man of Steel, and you're like, "What did you do?" So, like, Wonder Woman one, good movie. Aquaman, decent movie. Aquaman is like weirdly entertaining because it just every time you think you know what you're gonna see next, they then put like an octopus playing the drums, and you're like, "Oh right, anything can happen here." That's right, my fault. That's right. Is that lobster in a? suit yep there he is there he is and then like they're riding like war turtles and stuff and you're just like saltwater crocodiles you're just like yeah yeah that makes sense yeah yeah yep. we're going there <laughs> as a story it's not all that original uh and it's probably a little too long as a story but just everything you see along the way with aquaman definitely makes it worth it right and then shazam was good but yeah. like th- this Flash movie really looks like they're about to just roll out a big pile of poop. This is this is the this is the Flash movie that I've been joking is never going to be created because it doesn't. I, it's not real. It doesn't exist, Corey. This Flash well, movie is going to be delayed for the next nine years. Never get me. It can't be at this point because they've started shooting and Michael Keaton's already signed on. They started shooting. Yeah, they said they were going to do that last summer of like 2015. Oh, listen, they have regrouped like eight times from this movie. And Ray Fisher has talked himself completely out of continuity at this point. Um, Originally, he was going to be like a major role in this movie. And now at this point, they came to him and offered him, I think, like a little bit of money to do like a two scene cameo. And he's like, what happened to all my scenes? And they're like, yeah, gone, bro. Gone. 
It's because it's because Zack Snyder's not a part of it anymore. He's the well, main character of Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is stupid. Why would Cyborg? It doesn't matter. I don't care. I don't care anymore. I watched um, the making of, you know, the movies that made us on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they were talking about Ghostbusters. And originally, when they cast, um, who's our friend? The one we interviewed in Louisiana? Ernie Hudson. When they cast Ernie Hudson originally to, to play Winston, Winston had a lot of the good lines. He gets cat. He gets introduced on like page eight. He's like the regular New Yorker who joins the nerds who's supposed to help with everything out. The movie keeps going through changes though, and so like his introduction gets pushed back and it winds up being like halfway through the movie. Plus, a lot of his funny lines wind up going to Bill Murray because it's Bill Murray. Like he's very funny, right? Because originally they were going to have uh, Eddie Murphy play the guy from the street, the the normal New Yorker. But then when they got Bill Murray, that basically ate up all that, all the jokes that were going to be made on site. So suddenly you don't need two sets of jokes like that. Right. You don't need two funny men in your group. Right. Uh, But so Bill Murray just, and they're just talking about how like he just chewed it up like everywhere, every scene he would do like five takes and every take would be completely different or completely different, like joke and set up and the whole thing. Um, <laughs> when they're in Sigourney Weaver's apartment and he goes to play the piano, all of that's improv. And the crew laughed so hard that they had to reshoot it. Absolute legends. <laughs> like he comes in and he starts banging on the piano and he's like, playing to he's like beep boop beep boop beep boop beep boop beep boop and he goes they hate it when i do that and it's just stupid but it's funny and the whole crew just starts laughing and so they have to yell cut and then the director's like we have to redo that thanks to so and so you guys like sorry bill <laughs> but like it happens where your scenes get changed and absorbed and eaten up and ernie hudson would kind of he would go to the writers dan Aykroyd and uh and Reitman, who also was directing, and he would go to them and be like, "Hey, you know what? What? You know what's happening?" And they'd be like, "Look, it's just Hollywood. Like, it, a lot of times, what you think is personal isn't personal. There's just someone funnier than you on set right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. This isn't a this isn't a personal attack. This is he's right. just a lot funnier than you. You were supposed to be Eddie Murphy, and he wasn't supposed to be here. <laughs> like." <laughs> He's here, and you're not Eddie Murphy, so. Terrible circumstance, I guess. <laughs> oh, man. It would, um, yeah. It's just, it's funny sometimes, like, you don't see it coming, but I don't know. I don't get into the, I honestly, I don't want to get into the Ray Fisher stuff again. I'm just, I'm so over him. You don't hear about him anymore. His IMDb DB page is, is three movies, and it never will be much more than that. Like, oh, so you're talking about Ernie Hudson. I was like, man, it's really mean. <laughs> no, actually, you know, he was in. Remember, I was making fun of it, but I watched it all. The Jessica Alba Gabrielle Union cop show. Yeah, yeah. It, it's stupid, but it was all right. It was entertaining. They had a lot of good. They had a lot of really good jokes between them and the other partners that they like work with. Mm-hmm. They had nicknames for them all the time, and they were just really good, like Crosby, Stills, and Nash and stuff. They would always just kind of bang on the stuff. It was always funny. Um. But Ernie Hudson plays Gabrielle Union's dad in it, and by like the second season, he's in a he's in a large part of the show. Uh, so shout out Ernie, good job, loved it. I don't think there's a third season coming though. It, 
It's only been so long. Well, it's, I mean, as much as I enjoyed it, it wasn't good. It was a guilty enjoy, not a, this is great enjoy. <laughs> Speaking of guilty enjoys, uh, they just brought back the third season of one of those shows I watch on Netflix that I shouldn't. It's the Rust to Riches guys, that auto shop. Oh, is it, is it the guy that lives in, like, Canada? No, this is the guy... It's him and his little shop, and the way that they make oh, no, I'm, thinking living, of, I'm thinking of Rust Valley. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. The way they make a living here is they are trading and customizing cars and trading them up each time. So, like, they buy, like, a $900 Mercedes. They trade it to – they turn it into a drift car, trade it to a drifter who gives them a Jeep that they turn into, like, a super all-utility, uh, like, forest driver. And then that guy that they trade that to gives them a 1940-something or other that they didn't turn into a $100,000 car that they auction. And then they split the money after the expenses like four or five ways. Right. And uh, also, the girl who makes the engines also is a model named Constance. Nice. Um, I, I remember when I first saw, saw it, I was, at first I was like, that girl is way too attracted to work in an auto shop. Like, what's going on here? Then they talk about that she's also a model, blah, 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 but that she knows her stuff, et cetera, et cetera. And there are several times in the show where she does come through, and it's pretty clear she knows what she's doing. And she's a, she gets in there with the boys and mechanics sit up and does her thing. And, you know, I don't know enough about cars to know better. She, she at least knows more than I do. Um, I don't know. Dude. I just, you, re, you fixed your window and replaced pieces of your Avenger pretty wholeheartedly until it exploded. This is true. Listen, I necessity has taught me a few things. I'm no longer afraid to get in there and try and figure it out. I'll watch the YouTube videos, but when the YouTube guy's like, this is complicated, then I'm like, okay, well, I'll just pay someone for this. That's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and if he's like, yeah, this shouldn't take more than 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, okay, it'll take me two days, but I'll do it. <laughs> Excellent. But, but I did, I did like this show a lot. They, they made it, they found a car that was a one of a kind they found the fabrication machine for it, but it had never actually been mass manufactured. So they made the only one of them that's ever actually existed. Oh man. <laughs> that's kind of cool, right? Like stuff like that absolutely blows my mind. So then instead of uh instead of selling it, they donated it to this prestigious car museum so that they could like establish a really high name for themselves. So now this season they're dealing with all these like uppity yuppie clients who are like I'll give you like money is no object, but then like they keep adding stuff to the like the builds and the issues. Right. It's the second episode. And they just gave an El Camino back to a guy because he kept calling, adding more stuff every single day. Like you gotta know what you want, dude. Well, not only that, like you know, you negotiate. You know, hey, we're gonna you're gonna pay us X amount of money for this amount of labor and this amount of whatever, whatever, whatever. And then if you call and be like, hey, add this on. Go ahead and throw this on. Or what about this? Like, money's going to be an issue at some point for all this. Right. But, yeah. So finally he called and decided he, like, they're halfway through the build and he called and he goes, yeah, I want to go ahead and take the roof off too. And they were like, no. <laughs> they were like, no, we don't, we don't really want to do that. And he's like, yeah, 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 just trust me. It's my car. It's my build. Take the roof off. We'll just work it out. I, I know... It can't be that much trouble for you guys. I'm sure it's something you guys can do. Just let me know what it costs. 
and finally they're just like, something of this guy's gonna just say yes to it. Like, it's never gonna end. It's like, all right, now I need, now I need nitrous oxide. And <laughs> also, uh, we're thinking about taking it to space. Does it lift off on its own? You yeah. know what? X the space thing. I'm thinking wings. <laughs> Can they flap? And then like, it's never gonna. And so yeah, they they just on the show they give him his car back. They're just like, here, man, like. Sorry, I don't want to deal with you anymore. Go away. Yeah, yeah, no joke. And it's after they've already done stuff to it. Yeah, so they're just like, pay us for what we did. Have it back. I don't care anymore. I don't even know if they like if they even asked them for money. They were just like, here's your car, man. Like, just go away. <laughs> so bad that they're just like, you know what? I don't even want to be paid for this. Just scooch it off to the side. Just take Let's... it. I don't even want this, man. <laughs> Let's just not deal with this anymore. Um, yeah, man. I <laughs> I can see saying no to some people. Like, we. I mean, that's 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 these. the thing you got to do, right? Like, once you're once you're big enough, once you're doing stuff, you got to know. You got to value your time. You got to say no to people that want like dumb stuff. And also, just like when. When they're being hard on you, like you're like, this is this is way more heart headache than it's worth. Or, or when it doesn't feel legit, you know? Yeah. When uh when you when you think it might be a certain situation and you're like, you know what, I don't know that we want to do this. You can you can have your car back. I don't want this anymore. <laughs> today somebody that I hadn't seen in a while asked me how how uh Com- Comic Con was. It was a good time. We had fun. I chuckled. I said, "Yeah, you know, it was all right." <laughs> I like I like leading with interesting because there's always stories you can tell from there. For sure, they don't necessarily have to be good ones or bad ones. That's true. That's fair. Um, Nico, while we're at this weird pause here, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about our friends, The Adventure Begins, comics, games, and more. The Adventure Begins, comics, games, and more is open at full operating hours. With events rolling up here. So, gotta make sure I have all my dates right. Today is Friday. So, today is at 6 p.m. Star Wars X Wing Casual Meetup. Saturday, 2 p.m. is the Pokemon Meetup. At 6 p.m. on Saturday is Hammer Time. That's Warhammer Tabletop. And also at 6 p.m. on Saturday is Even More Magic. This is the Commander meetup last uh, on thursday was the uh, modern meetup so they're playing magic two times a week right there at the adventure begins a fantastic store with wonderful staff well lit family friendly all kinds of all your nerd stuff there your books your games your comic uh your manga all right there at the adventure begins comic games and more woo yeah yeah, yeah. i do love those guys great people great people at the adventure begins comics games and more Absolutely. Um. Okay, so I do want to talk about this because last night was the Hall of Fame game, which means NFL preseason is beginning. Oh man! Um, we are about to have football on every Sunday for the next x amount of weeks, all the way through I think till February. Um, I I just I, I want to get this off my chest. Here in Houston, obviously the Texans are the team, and they are my team, and I support them. Um, I am shocked, absolutely shocked that the NFL has not put Deshaun Watson on the commissioner's list 
where they essentially suspend him but let him keep his paychecks until they complete their investigation. Yeah, dude, I have no idea. Like that is typically what they do in these like let's 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 get away from like discussing his issue, which is 18 women are civilly suing him for sexual assault. They there are no there are zero there are no criminal complaints. The police are not the police have talked to dozens of women. They have not filed a single charge. I want to be very upfront with that. However, in the past, the commissioner has created they got in trouble with the Ray Rice issue a long time ago, where Ray Rice it came out in the news that Ray Rice had punched his wife in a hotel casino and might have knocked her out. It was it was a national story. The NFL said, well, we don't tolerate domestic abuse. They brought in Ray Rice, but they also at the same time brought in his wife and interviewed them together, which is a no-no in domestic abuse cases. Mm-hmm. They listened to both of them. They were happy with what they both said, and they suspended Ray Rice for two games or four games, something like that. Okay. Um, before the season starts, though, I might be a little wrong on the timeline, but it's like either right before the season starts or right right before he's supposed to come off the suspension. One of the two. The video of what happens comes out. The video doesn't change anyone's story. The video is still super clear. He does, in fact, assault his girlfriend, wife, whatever she was. I think she was his fiance at the time, and they get married afterwards. He does, in fact, assault her. And a casino, and it is what it is. It's exactly what he said. It's exactly what everyone says happened. But the video is brutal. It's one thing for someone to tell you the story. It's another thing for the pictures to be shown to you, the video to be shown to you. And in the video, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe the video. I'm not going to pick a side here. I'm not going to say anything about anything. In the video, they're arguing. She begins striking him. At some point, he turns at her, and he punches her one time, and she's immediately unconscious in the elevator. He drags her out of the elevator by her arm or hair. I don't remember which. Neither one is good. Might be by her arms. Drags her out of the elevator when they're on her floor. When they're on their floor. It looks terrible. I'm not going to say anything about women striking men, men striking women. It's all inappropriate. It's all assault. Nobody should be hitting anybody. Uh, it's definitely not okay for an NFL athlete to punch a woman. That's never going to come across as, as anything good visually, for sure. Um, from an optic standpoint, that's a loser no matter what. Well, the video comes out, and the NFL goes after Ray Rice again. And this is when it gets murky, because nobody wants to be the guy defending Ray Rice. But the reality is, it's the NFL is screwed up, not Ray Rice. Like, yeah, he already came in, and he already said, yes, I hit her. Like, he said, I, he said, this is what happened. Right. And they said, okay, we're doing this. And right. then they get more backlash and they're like, well, okay, well, we're doing this again. Right. There's, a, this... there's a reason why we don't do that in law. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a hundred percent the NFL's fault. Like completely. But so then they, um, they basically suspend him. I think eight games, the Ravens cut them. Cause at this point it's like a 10 or 12 game suspension. Uh, at that point, he's useless. He never really makes it back into the league. He winds up getting like $5 million from the league and a settlement down the road. 
because he wasn't supposed to be suspended. It really, the second suspension was totally the NFL's fault. Coming out of that, the NFL and the Players Union get together and they make a commissioner's list. It's a list the commissioner has the power to put you on when things are unique situations. Uh, Adrian Peterson was facing allegations of child abuse. Now, he already had something in the past, and then he was facing this allegation, and he uh, was put on the list for a year for it. Um, Still got his money. When everything was settled, he came off the list, and then there was a decision made about suspension or no suspension. And I don't remember what the outcome of that was. Um, but it's, it's happened a couple other times where players are put on the list. Uh, Greg Hardy was on the commissioner's list when the allegations of his domestic assault came out. The reports came out. The this and that came out. They went ahead and suspended, suspended him later. But in the beginning, it was just the commissioner's list. Um, and on the commissioner's list, the player gets paid. He's just not allowed to be on the field. They're just trying to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. That is exactly where Deshaun Watson should be right now. Putting the Texans in a position where they need to trade or cut or bench and keep him on the 52-man roster, like it's just a bad look for everybody. Even it's gonna be it's gonna be bad on the other on the other teams when we're playing away games and their television crew has to cover us. What are they gonna say about our quarterback situation? When Tyrod Taylor's out there playing quarterback, obviously they're going to comment on the lack of Deshaun Watson, and it's going to bring up the situation. It's going to bring up the cases. The best interest of everybody, they're going to show camera shots of him sitting on the sidelines wearing a hat, not playing. Like, I mean, the, the best thing to do for everyone involved is just to take him out of the equation for now. And I, and I am blown away that the NFL has not done that at this point. I don't know what they're waiting like. Yeah, what are they waiting for? <laughs> we are officially in the preseason. Yesterday was the Hall of Fame game. That starts the NFL preseason. That's it. Like we're out of time now. Like we're in it now. We're having it. We're having a good time, boys. We're, we're having a grand old time. <laughs> like I just I don't know I don't know what the I don't know what the I don't know how this could help them or they think it helps them leaving him out there active. And and then like what if, if let's say another team trades for him. How is that going to be? Like, he's still facing 18 lawsuits. Like, this is a a mess. And the only solution is for the NFL to actually do something. And it it appears on all levels that they have zero interest. This must mean that the McNair family is just, like, hated right now in the NFL. Like, it's got to be. Because if it was anyone else, the NFL would be scrambling to protect the team because it makes the league look bad. What if we decide to play him? What if we decide he's our starter? Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's really moments like that where, like, the sports world really doesn't like Houston. I feel like we we're always catching, like, the absolute worst. Well, for sure. And this is such a weird thing. I've never – I can't recall a time – the closest thing I can recall to this where a starting quarterback was in some kind of real trouble. There's two things that come to mind. One was Brett Favre. It came out when he was in Minnesota. So when Brett Favre left Green Bay, he got traded to the Jets. And in that trade, there were stipulations that the Jets couldn't trade him to Minnesota. They could trade him anywhere but Minnesota because that's the Green Bay rivalry. Mm -hmm. Um so after that one year with the Jets, he then 
cuts ties completely and signs on his own with Minnesota for two years. It comes out while he's in Minnesota that he sent pictures of himself inappropriately to a Jets like marketing girl that I guess he was crushing on or flirting with or whatever. Um, other than that, I got to go in the Wayback Machine to early in Big Ben's career when he was accused of rape like four different times. Yeah, are we just going to forget that one, guys? His first three years in the league were rough for Big Ben. Um, whatever the situation may have been, I tell you what, the first time he got accused, it really sounded like a money grab. It was at a charity event. The event comes with the hotel room. The girl was bragging to her friends the day before that she was gonna, she was gonna get her some of Big Ben. Uh, something happens in the room. She comes out and tells people happily that it happened, and then she does have a lawyer contact him like a month later. That one feels like a money grab, and the whole world kind of read it as such, and it sort of felt like the world went okay ben like you're a victim in this we understand moving on be more careful but then like over the next two years there were several stories that came out where all of a sudden you're like uh i don't know about this one big ben you might be the bad guy bro um at one point he was he started bringing security with him everywhere he went which everyone said was a great idea until all of a sudden security closed down a women's bathroom so that he could be alone with a woman in it she then has a different story than he has. Like, suddenly it's not working out right. Like, <laughs> suddenly this is not what it all kind of to be. Right. Then everyone's kind of looking around, going, "Maybe Big Ben's the bad guy." Um, and he's his whole his whole career since then. He's been dramatic and a bit of a diva, and nobody he's, knows what happened in those. Situations. He's kind of the worst. He's he is one of those guys that honestly I don't I don't enjoy in the league. Um. But other than those two, I'm trying to think of a time when, like, a quarterback, like an important fran- – like a, a real piece of your franchise is involved in something crazy like this. Adrian Peterson with the child abuse. Uh, Plaxico Burris was tr- was a free agent. He might have been a giant still when he shot himself in the leg in the club. Um, well, absolute that, legend. That was a big deal. That was stupid. He wound up going to prison for that. And he turned down a deal where he would have done, like, 180 days probation. What a legend. Because New York has some of the strictest gun laws, and he really thought that, that, that because no one else got hurt, it wasn't going to be a big deal. He was stupid. He got bad advice. Um, I mean, Ray Lewis murdering a guy? Like, I mean, you got to go way back. Dante Stallworth did, in fact, accidentally kill someone with his car, and he was drunk when he did it, except there was camera footage that proves that the guy jumped in front of his car. Oh, I, I think I remember this story, hearing it on the radio. Like, as a yeah, <laughs> he got like his license suspended for like three years. Yeah, he was like Patriots he was, in that he was off season. Like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh and man, it, that's really weird that you bring that up. It, like, right. like unlocked like a secret part of my memory I didn't have. <laughs> and the Patriots basically paid him. They signed him to like sixteen individual bonus game checks, where it was like they structured his contract very because they didn't know if he was going to get suspended or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but like his agent and manager really maintained that like, listen, he's a victim in this situation, blah, blah, blah. And it turns out that he, he in fact was a victim in that situation. Like he wasn't a hundred percent in the right. Like he left a club with like a 24, I think they had like a $24,000 tab at the club. He said he only had like three or four drinks. 
he wasn't drunk, but he had like alcohol in his system. But it was like four thirty in the morning. But then, like when the footage of the actual accident comes out, it's all revealed that it's not his fault. And like, yeah, I remember this. Yeah, because the guy, the guy is like, they're like, oh, you, you killed a guy. And obviously, you were under the influence. He's like, no, guys. Like honestly, like he jumped in front of me. Like what was he right. supposed to do? Right. And like, yeah, he's. I think he's on like a highway in Miami, and the guy literally. Like, there's nothing you can, like, if you're doing 80 and some guy jumps in front of your car, there's nothing, like, you, it yeah. is what it is. There's literally nothing you can do. Um, no amount, no amount of, no amount of reaction time is going to save you that guy. Right. And that's, you know, that was a sad story, but it, at least it wound up not being his fault. Like, I'm having a real hard time thinking of, of, of an issue, of an episode where it was like, <sighs> someone this important dealing with something this massive to an NFL franchise. I can't think of one. And and really, like, I, I got to keep going back to, like, Ray Lewis murdering someone or, uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's alleged rapes. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, this is a messy, crazy, terrible situation, and the NFL has just sat back and watched it. They're like, oh, man, that sucks. Right, and I don't understand. Not that. moving, not reacting. I don't understand how they don't. They want they want every every story in Houston to be look at look at this garbage quarterback not playing because he's a terrible person. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like they re- someone really needs to suspend him. Otherwise, like what if the Texans decide to start him, or what if they actually do make a trade for him and the other team starts him? Like the NFL doesn't want to get caught in the situation where somebody makes a worse choice. Right. That's true. Um, so it's really disappointing that so far they're sitting back and, and doing nothing. Um, They've dusted their hands and said, whoops. Yeah. Best of luck, everyone. I just, I don't know. I'm surprised. I'm just very, very surprised that there's, I really thought coming into this, there's no way he plays the season because obviously the NFL at some point steps in and suspends him. But here we are in the second week of August and, and it doesn't look no. like it's going to happen. Crickets. So uh, all that being said, I want to thank everybody for listening. We're going to jump out here. We got a special interview from the guys from Dimension Comics. We were talking. We don't think we played this for you guys. It aired on Up Late with Nerdlug Radio, but I don't think we've played it for you guys yet. Y'all definitely hear it. They're a small town publisher right here in Houston, Texas. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. So we're going to play it for you guys uh, on the other side of this break. On behalf of Little Brother Nico and myself, the adventure begins, comics, games, and more. Same Nerdlug time, same Nerdlug channel. Everybody take care of yourselves, vaccinate, all that great stuff. Let's. Let's push back against this variant. I am now hearing that hospitals are, in fact, full. As a matter of fact, I have a family friend who was dealing with a terrible issue with a child, and they had to go into the ER, and it took over 12 hours to be seen. It is not a good time. Let's let's do something about that. Uh, stay safe. Take care of each other. We'll, uh, we'll see you on Monday at 2 p.m. or Saturday night at 11. If you're up in Dallas, Fort Worth, and Oklahoma City, tune in to Up Late with Nerd Thug Radio. The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is a wonderful store located right there on 1488 in Conroe that sells comic books, gaming cards, gaming accessories, board games, as well as all kinds of fun nerd-assorted accessories. This is Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio, just reminding you that if you're interested, and if you're bored, if you got some free time, if you wanted to go hang out at an interesting or fun place, The Adventure Begins should be an option you consider. Everything from D&D Adventures League to miniature painting uh, to even competitive card play and even competitive gaming events. 
All those things occur at The Adventure Begins, comics, games, and more. Interested parties should absolutely check out the Facebook page for more information. This is Rudy Townjonovitz, and welcome to Nerd Thug Radio. Just as I promised you last segment, we're hanging out here with two awesome creators who, just like me, are on a mission to help break the will and change comic books and do their own thing. We're hanging out with Jay Gillespie and Johnny Busa of Dimension Comics. What's going on, guys? Look, they even talk in sync. That's how in sync these guys are on mission. Um, So, Jay, you are sort of the longtime vet of this, right? Johnny's the new guy. Kind of walk me through the start of Dimension Comics and where kind of being your own thing comes from. I uh, just had a story rattling around in my head for many years. Um, I knew I wanted to make at least a graphic novel out of it, but uh, that story ballooned and it became something that was a real inspiration. And I set my mind to starting a 12-issue comic series and lots of people said, you know, don't do that, but... Um, as it went along and, uh, you know, there was, um, a bit of a response to it that was going fairly well. Um, and I, I just, uh, got to around, I think issue four and I just really decided like, you know what, I'm going to keep up with self-publishing rather than try to, um, appeal to other publishers. I'm just going to do my thing. And I had the inspiration for Dimension Comics and, that was, I guess, around 2018. And, um, you know, uh, got into the convention circuit and things just continued to build. And um, it's kind of have been going on since then. And, and Johnny, kind of walk me through your introduction to everything. Because like I told, like I just said, you're the new addition to Dimension Comics. Yeah, I certainly had a story in my head. And I had actually uh, scripted it as a screenplay. And I was batting it back and forth on how I was going to get it made. During a convention, I went to a panel about breaking into comics. Uh, and I said, you know what? That, that's, that's the right mode for me. I need to do that. I, joined, I actually uh, joined a group local to uh, the Houston area called uh, Comic Indie. They had a meetup group. And it was all about independent comic book creators and I thought, well, what better place to start than with this group? So I joined the group, tried to get a feel for how things were going. That's where I met Jay. Jay was a member of the group. Uh, and then after I got, I, I did just like Jay. I, I mean, I went hard on the story, man. I, I scripted 12 <laughs> issues. Everyone was telling me, you've done way too much. You need to back, up, back it off. But I just couldn't do it. So when it came time to actually start putting pictures on pages, uh, me and Jay had kind of kept in touch, and so I contacted Jay, and I said, hey, man, are you looking to uh, expand Dimension Comics? And uh, he said, yeah, man, come on board. So that was, uh, I think, uh, that was probably 2019 uh, that I contacted Jay about it. And then 2020 is when I published my first book through Dimension Comics. So That's, yeah, that's it really awesome. Helped. It really helped that I knew Johnny from Comic Indie. It's good that he pointed that out. Uh, when he when he approached, uh, I knew Johnny already, and I, I was knew right away. Like, yeah, Johnny would be a gay, a great contributor to to the effort. And so it wasn't. I didn't have to think about it long. <laughs> now, now, so the, the the Facebook group is kind of a, a key, a pivotal tool for all of this. You guys both kind of said the same thing, though. You had the story batting around in your head, and then you did just way too much. What was some of that like negative advice you guys were getting from everyone? That's you know about 
oh, you don't want to get into this. Like, you definitely don't want to get 12 issues into this. Well, I think that there's a, a process that a lot of publishers do to see what's going to strike. You put out three-issue, four-issue series and see how well-received that's going to be. And if it really, you know, builds a fan base, well, then you can expand on it. it you know, if you've got a hit on your hands, then you can build on it. Um, there's just a lot of publishers that feel like, You've, you're showing me one issue or maybe two issues and you're saying it's 12 issues and they, they're like, you know, you're going to bog down if in issue number five, issue number six, sales are going to drop off like badly. So you need to get to like, or if you say to a publisher something like, it gets really good at issue number nine, then the publisher will say, well, drop everything else and just go to issue number nine. You know, I mean, I've heard stuff like that too. So they're worried about anything that goes beyond four issues dropping way off and not being worth it to, to really try to put out there and publish. Uh, what's different and unique for Johnny and I and what we're doing is that, um, you know, we have a lot of meat on the bone with these stories to tell. And, you know, we don't feel like there is story-wise any drop-off and, and that, you know, it's something that um, I know for myself that if I tried to cut it down more, there would be so much taken out that it, it, it would seem like there's huge gaps missing and I've got flashbacks that tie into other things and I need to address those flashbacks. So I cut down a lot just to keep it where it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that's just a feeling. And when you're doing your own thing and, you know, I'm, a, I'm working on issue number 10 now. So even though people said, you're doing way too much, like, I knew I was going to forge ahead no matter what. So um, it's not, uh, you know, to, to show anyone up. It's just that I, I have the drive to do it. So then why not? Why do you have to listen to someone tell you not to do it? So that's where I'm mm -hmm. at. That's true. Now, now Johnny, uh, for, what was that process like of getting – the first issue made and in your hands. What was that feeling like? What, what does it feel like? Mission accomplished. Marathon over. I wouldn't say marathon over. Uh, it definitely. There's nothing like holding your work in your hands. And for me and Jay, it's different, right? Because Jay is not only the author but the artist behind his book Severed Souls. And for me, I have to send. I just I, I write it, and then I send it off to an artist. And me and the artists collaborate pretty pretty well on it. I have to. I'm almost since I've already scripted twelve issues. I'm kind of in a holding pattern. My artists can only work so fast. So now, after I've scripted twelve issues, now I'm coming back to issue two, and really revising it as he's doing the art on it. And so once you get that that issue one in your hands, man, you're just over the moon. It, it is such a, a feeling of pride and accomplishment that it's just indescribable and it, it just makes you want even more. It pushes you forward even more to do more for issue two, you know? So. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely know that feeling myself. I, you, you get it and you go, Oh yeah. Yeah. This, this is what I thought. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, and there, there's, there's nothing like uh, whenever you're collaborating with an artist and they draw something you're like, man, that's exactly what I was picturing, or that's even better than what I was picturing, you know? Yeah, I was about to say that. Sometimes that happens, too, where you get the page, and it's nothing like what you visualize from the instructions. But then when you when you look at the page, you're like, this is great. Like, 
How did he get this? Wow, I'm really good at this. <laughs> now, um, before before the time runs out on us, I do want to make sure I give each of you guys a second to kind of push your books. Jake, go ahead and, and, and give the 30-second the elevator pitch for your book. Uh, okay. Uh, well, it's a story about individuals with supernatural gifts that are attributable to the age of their soul. The older the soul, the more powerful the gift. So it kind of explains why uh, individuals like witches or psychics might be more powerful than others of their kind. It's because they their souls have lived much longer and uh, their, thus their power is greater. And as I was putting the story together and writing about these characters, I realized, well, if they have old souls, they've lived many times in the past. So I need to write backstories that tie into historical events or mythology and folklore and have them be the explanation for strange things that have happened in the past. Uh, one quick example is uh, the protagonist in the story was uh, in the past, she was an oracle at Delphi. And so some of those past stories actually have consequences on the modern day story. So then I have to research, you know, uh, concepts like um, soulmates and how even though they lived in the past in one life, they wanted to find each other again and again in future lives and what each one of those lives meant for them along the way, trying to find each other and it just things like that that get thrown into the mix. And, and so, yeah, um, it's uh, some of those old uh, flashback stories tie into the modern day story and have consequences there as well. Oh, the, the Google the Google search history of a writer. Hey, you, I, I don't reveal all my secrets now. <laughs> and the search bar is always full of like the weirdest things. I, I know exactly what that. Yeah, when I'm when I'm researching some really evil past history, I'm worried that you know someone's going to show up at the front door. <laughs> going to wind up on the FBI. Using your computer. <laughs> <laughs> and so that book is called Severed Souls, and you're, what what issue is out right now? What's the newest issue out? Uh, through issue nine, halfway through issue ten. All right, and then uh, Johnny, go ahead and tell us about uh, about your book. Yeah, so my book is called The Journal. Uh, it's set in the future. There was this global war that erupted. We wiped out like two thirds of the world population, uh, and from that ash grew a one world government. Uh, and so this the story starts off several years after this government has been formed. And a officer of the One World Government is sent to uncover a relic. And that relic is something from before the war happened that the government wants to keep quiet. And uh, during that mission, he starts to uncover some secrets that the government's keeping from people. Uh, mind blown, who would have thought uh, <laughs> that a One World Government uh, wouldn't have the people's interest at, at heart. It's and, almost um, never, they're never a good guy when it's a One World Government. Uh, I feel like that's... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so it, it's it's the story of him uncovering these secrets and exposing the truth and uh, basically breaking down the walls of the government. And it has a lot of vampire and werewolf lore in it. Uh, I really wanted to make a new spin on vampires versus werewolves. Uh, so uh, there's not anything like uh, no one's turning into werewolves in the middle of the night and there's not people drinking blood or anything like that. But, um, you know, you're going to if you read the book, you see a lot of these tie ins where uh, the vampires are called the vigilant anti military person. So vamp and they're led by uh, they're led by Vladimir. Right. And then you got uh, 
the world order law force. They're the wolves. They're bigger, bulkier than other people. So there, there's all these little tropes that I threw in there for fans of that lore. That's kind of, that's a cool. I, I do I do enjoy that. And the first issue is out and completed for that. Correct. I have the first issue completely done, and I'm halfway through the second issue with the artist now. Uh, I ran a Kickstarter for issue one, and I plan on doing another Kickstarter, uh, if not, uh, but before the end of this year, by by the start of next year, 2022. There you go. Yeah, I feel like if, when every time you have a, a you know a new world order, they wind up being the bad guys. I guess Escape from L.A. would be really short if the New World Order were the good guys, though. They'd be like, actually, you, you can stay right here. Everything's perfect. You don't have to leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I do want to thank you guys for coming on and hanging out with us today. Breaking the Wheel is kind of this big concept for the show where we are kind of focusing on creators like yourselves who are doing things themselves to get their own way, to kind of pave their own way into the industry because everyone always acts like it's um, you know, if you don't work for Marvel or DC, you don't make comic books. And I don't think that that's really the case at all. Oh, not at all. No way. And, and, and Jay, you're, you're a road warrior to this. And, and Johnny, you're, you're, you're getting your miles in now. So I know that you guys know what it's like to, uh, to go out there and kind of grind it out the long way. Uh, there's actually a really interesting article out right now about supposedly there's being Marvel or DC hush money to shut up creators talking about how, how bad the pay is. And one of the oh, I saw that it, it was in regards to like creators of characters that are now being used and stuff, right? Right. And so yeah. the, the like one of the creators of Wolverine like never got really very anything at all and died penniless. Um, and you know, you think about all the millions that they've made off just that character, and there's many examples like that. And and it, you know, I was listening to uh, another guy. Uh, own your own stuff own your own characters don't you know submit it and then lose control of those characters and then never see another dime like develop your own stuff put it out there yourself you can do it and it just resonated with me and so that's exactly what we're doing yeah i definitely that's uh, good advice to the young creators out there um there wasn't always the way you know, as they say in a certain show, to do that. The way it kind of opened up, though, thanks to Image Comics, now that, now, since then, the indie game has just blown up. I think we kind of owe it to ourselves to make sure that we, listen, if you've got the greatest Spider-Man story ever, okay, go go tell it. But if you, if you want to make your own characters and do your own thing, there's a, a smart way to do that these days. Yeah. And a lot of that is, you know, well, they say things like put your money where your mouth is, but with this, it's really put your, your effort, put your, put your work, your, your blood, sweat and tears where you, where your mouth is, you know, don't, don't say you're going to do it. And then, you know, two years go by and you still haven't done anything. I mean, it, it's, it's work and, but that's how you do it. That's how it gets. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, thanks for coming on with, uh, up late with Nerd Thug Radio. You guys go to bed now. Absolutely. Thanks for hanging out and night out. Stay with me because when we come back, we got more up late with Nerd Thug Radio. Mm-hmm.